November 17th, and here we are with Dr. Stout again. Hey, Josh. Hey, Eric. Uh, all right. So uh, we're going to talk about um, in what ways we're still evolving and what things are not a matter of evolution, uh, starting with the end of the Ice Age. So through the Neolithic and uh, on through to, uh, well, today. So we're, we're going back pre-points that we've talked about. Before. Right. Well, we're basically going to the dawn of farming again. And so we've talked about the farming trap in itself. Uh, but now we're just going to sort of be breezing through that on the way to the, the modern world. Uh, so we're just going to go go back a little bit to sort of set the stage. So setting the stage is uh, the end of end of the Ice Age. Uh, we've gone through these uh, periods of um, really rapid climactic transition. Uh, and there was a couple times when farming tried to start, but it, it did. It wasn't successful because the climate was changing too fast in various places. But we know that we had attempted it. And we know that we attempted. We found, we found grain storage. We found people who'd done farming, but it didn't work out for them. De was, defeated by by, by climate change. Mm -hmm. yeah, climate change and farming don't go together very well. Um, but finally, things start to to warm up in a nice, steady way. We're 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 we're, we're able to get the crops to grow. Uh, and the Neolithic starts. And so the Neolithic is called that because of the stone tools. It's it's the new stone age. Neo. Neo, exactly. So the Paleolithic had chipped stone tools. You would take a rock and you would hit it and you would make an arrowhead out of it. The Neolithic is characterized by ground stone tools. So mostly they were using different kinds of rocks because they needed something that wouldn't chip when you slammed it into the ground to dig something, or if you were cutting down a tree to make a dugout canoe, or all the other things that they did a lot of in the Neolithic. The chipped stone tools wouldn't work for that anymore. They didn't stop making chipped stone tools. Um, the earliest sickles that they used in the Neolithic were were chipped uh, into shape. But Amazing needed, pieces of but work. they needed something new. They needed something new that wouldn't chip. And so they had to grind a things in stone, tool. a new stone tool. Exactly. And so they had to grind things into shape. And so one of the ones all over the world that was the primary stone that arose at this time was jade, which is one of the reasons I'm interested in it. If you make a uh, what's called a Celt out of jade, it's going to last much better than uh, really any other kind of stone out there. So Celts are the number one tool that was developed during this time, developed by basically every culture everywhere in the world that had farming. So like the next hand axe. It's the next hand axe. It's, it's the thing that replaced everything. It was, and it uh, basically had very little to do with the previous stone tools. Um, they, they uh, we'll, we'll put up a picture, but uh, they were uh, more or less shaped like a chisel. Like a, like a stone chisel, and you put this thing on a, on a, on a haft, and that would be what you'd uh, chop down a tree with, or dig out a canoe, or do your your, your farming. And you needed a stone that wouldn't wouldn't break in half while you did and this. And that would be jade. Uh, uh, the very best ones were jade, but jade quickly became so precious that these then became the first monetary uh, items. They were traded over long distances. They became. Uh, cultural artifacts in themselves. They were worshipped in their own right. They were then uh, broken for burial rites. Uh, so they, f they quickly became the most valuable thing and then too valuable to use. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but still made throughout the world, uh, you know, until, until they were replaced by steel. Uh, and, you know, in, in, in Papua New Guinea, they were still being used uh, up until, you know, through the last century, uh, both for... Um, actual uh, tool use and as, uh, you know, trading for a wife uh, and, and so a monetary thing. You know, one, one axe would get you a, a, a young wife or something like six pigs. Um, oh you know, there was a very, you know, uh, well-recorded uh, uh, medium of exchange. So anyway, agriculture is uh, starting for good in, uh, in um, northern Anatolia at this time. Um, 
And uh, it's interesting that uh, we used to think that uh, cities began first, and then as uh, the cities would um, need more and more uh, uh, food, they would develop farming as a way to have surpluses that could support the city. We now think it's actually the other way around, um, that uh, uh, what we started out with... Um, was ceremonial centers. And as, as hunter-gatherers were coming to these ceremonial centers, imagine something like Stonehenge, uh, they would be depleting the resources, but always coming back to these same places. And so they would have uh, you know, garbage middens or wherever they were throwing their, their, their grains that they were just eating anyway, and they would see these things growing. And so uh, one of the earliest of these uh, stone circles so they, so they inadvertently discovered that they could grow things? Or advertently. They might have known farming. <laughs> uh, right. they, they, for a long time, if you were a hunter-gatherer, there would be a profit in leaving some seeds in a place you'd come back to. Even if you weren't farming so much. If you had a garbage heap that was really fertile and you threw some seeds in there, I think very early, bef well before farming, you would see things coming up in that same spot again. You'd be going to the same spot. It was part of your your, your travels around as we, as, we as a nomad. Something. We knew. We knew yeah. something. We knew we knew what a seed was. In in, in my opinion, so uh, Gobekli Tepe is this um, uh, one of the earliest of these stone circles. Uh, it's it's a mound in Turkey. Uh, and we have evidence that uh, people were um, having, you know, ceremonial events there. This was building a population, and it was only about 20 miles away that the coalescent point for wheat occurs. So uh, wheat can be genetically determined. Uh, you, you look at um, where, where the diversity spreads from, and you can come back to a single point in space and time, and it happens at the same moment as, as, as this uh, ceremonial center where, is developing. Where, where wheat? Evolved, or where wheat first was developed, wheat could, wheat um, had to have been found from the very beginning as a as a cultivated plant. Uh, wheat uh, is not like you or me or other plants. We are diploid. We have one set of chromosomes from a mother, one set of chromosomes from a father. Okay, and then we have two sets of chromosomes, and that's us. And then we give half our chromosomes to our offspring. That's normal reproduction. Wheat has uh, six sets of chromosomes, so three sets, full sets of parents. It has three mothers and three fathers, all in one genome. So this happened um, uh, basically in, in, in one move, for whatever reason, uh, the, 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 the genome wasn't splitting apart uh, to make sperm and eggs, uh, but just stayed whole, and then the two somehow unified into this super plant. Uh, and this super plant wouldn't have been able to survive on its own very well, but we then noticed, because we were coming back to the same places all the time, harvesting the same grains that we were seeing over thousands of year period, we suddenly noticed this one group that has really, really large grains that are useful to us. Because the more chromosomes you have, the more DNA you have, the more proteins get made by this DNA. It doesn't work for animals very well, but this is fairly common in plants. We do this all the time uh, with our modern foods. We don't even call it GM. You just uh, you cause a plant to double the number of chromosomes, and suddenly you get a bigger plant. And so wheat did this with, on with more protein and therefore more nutrient. Well, more everything. More everything. More everything. A mm. bi just bigger plant. More yeah, plant. Yeah. More plant. Um, and the main thing we were actually uh, aiming for was was the um, uh, uh, the, the storage uh, portion of the grain. We were looking at the at the starches, mm -hmm. uh, which is called the endosperm. Uh, so that that's what we were actually after. We didn't care about the protein so much. But it was just a matter of we happened to find this thing because we were right there planting them. We planted a whole bunch of grains that we ate, and suddenly they merged into one. And that became our new super grain, and that was wheat. And so 
this region in northern Anatolia was was the birthplace of of you know wheat culture in general. So beer was developed there, uh, bread was developed there. Um, bread and beer are so, sort of the same thing. You, you 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 leave you leave wheat extra extra liquid for a while. You get beer. You take uh, uh, the, the 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 liquid. You let you know you mush it around some and 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 you make a dough and you put it in the fire and you have bread. Uh, they're 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 basically exactly the same thing. And you need both of them to support uh, these 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 new developing societies. Starting off with your your um, uh, religious centers, uh, and now you have uh, farming happening around it to keep everyone fed, to supply the beer for your rituals. Um, you know, alcohol and beer are, are closely related to to many, many, many rituals in the world. Uh, as 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 is bread. As is bread, exactly. You know, these are these are not unrelated concepts. Uh, so these, you know, the staff of life. This is this is where 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 civilization comes from. Uh, is 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 really this 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 moment. Uh, so in addition to uh, development of agriculture and uh, these new kinds of stone tools, uh, now we're staying in the same place. So it's worthwhile to make pottery. Pottery had been discovered several times by hunter gatherers, but now we need places to store our grain, and so we put them in big pots. Uh, these big pots are not going to be carried around, but they can be defended. And and now we start doing all those things I was talking about happening with farming, where we have walls around our storage, where we uh, try and capture people to help work for us. You know, all, all of these things, uh, slavery, um, are, are, are happening because now we have this, this uh, uh, defendable resource. Um, uh, and so it's, it's really interesting to think of how uh, this transition happened because of our, our, our ritual life, not because uh, we were starting by learning to be farmers and then we had a surplus that we then developed and we would have uh, pottery made because we had a surplus. This is how I was taught it in fourth grade, right? right? You know, you'd have, you'd have the, the, the specialized classes that developed the priests and the potters in Sumeria. We, we were also taught, taught that there was a, a time when everything was a barter system. So that's, that, all of that is, yeah. Yeah, no. Everything we were told. A lot of a things lie. were, were hey, lies. Yeah, exactly. That's so That's a different So, you know, no, we, 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 were, we, we had trade and the, these hand axe things were uh, traded early and then the, 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 the Celts were, 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 were traded uh, became instantly basically a, a currency yeah. um, you know in and 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 this was uh, often then uh, seen like so some of the earliest currencies in China were actually um, bronze knives that you couldn't use as a knife but would have a hole in the end so you could string them on chains and you could have a whole bunch of money that before even coins and then the coins just turned out to be little circles with a hole in it in China mm -hmm. so you could string them on 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 strings mm -hmm. um, and so yeah so often often uh, our, our our tools would sort of be culturally evolving, I'm not saying tools evolved, but they're culturally developing and changing in a way uh, that would start off as something we just needed and then would become these these items for, for trade uh, that was instead of just barter, you didn't have to carry your pile of weed over to someone who had a pile of fish and hope you have a pile of weed on exactly, the same day right. he had a pile of fish. Right. The way we were taught in school, yeah, no, right? It never was never that. Never happened. It never happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, one of one of the uh, interesting things that uh, happened in the uh, conquest of the new world, um, not one of our you know standout moments as as humanity, but uh, we uh, were proselytizing, and in uh, California, uh, in the Spanish mission and uh, uh, Spanish missions where. Uh, uh, Spanish Catholics uh, were coming in, proselytizing to the uh, natives who uh, lived in the area, and converting them, and then getting them to live on on, on the uh, uh, on the missions. Uh, and so we were actually able to see people who were born and grew up as hunter gatherers buried at the mission, 
and their immediate relatives who grew up on the mission as farmers. And so we can see the same people with the same genetics living in the same place. What happens when you become a farmer? Fascinating. What happens when you become a farmer in one generation? In one generation. And immediately people become shorter, their lifespan goes down, they get bad backs. Um, they, 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 it's tremendously we, difficult on their joints. We actually observe this. Yes, you can see it happening in one generation in the same people. Uh, I, so all, all of the problems, suddenly they develop cavities uh, because they're eating much I more starch. I was wondering why you made this jump in time from practically prehistoric to now. I see, I see, I Yeah, 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 that. yeah. There, there, there was something that was happening and uh, we did this sort of inadvertent experiment in California, or the Spanish were doing it, where we could see the terrible, real transition between these, these 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 lives. And so this is what I'm talking about in the farming trap: is 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 how bad farming became for us. Um, but the question I want to talk about today is also uh, how are we still evolving? Uh, and um, we've only had about 600 generations since the Paleolithic, since the Ice Age. So we haven't had that long. 600 generations is not a lot of time for evolution, but the things you would look at for, look for it in are things uh, associated with diet particularly. Uh, so, um, you know, when we moved on to the Serengeti, the things we see changing first are things like teeth, because now we have to have a new diet. Uh, things that are highly selected for very, very quickly. We suddenly get thicker tooth enamel uh, almost overnight. Um, what do we see uh, in this Neolithic revolution? We see uh, increases in um, the, the enzymes that digest starch is a particular one, so amylase. So um, in this wheat we developed was a sugar called amylose. It's amylose starch made up of lots of little sugars. Amylase is what breaks it down into little pieces. So if you put a cracker in your mouth and you suck on it for a while, it's gonna start to taste sweeter because you're actually taking that starch and you're breaking it down into sugar molecules that you can now use and you can taste. Right there in your mouth. Right there in your mouth, yeah. And so uh, it, it begins right at the very beginning and and, and, and continues on. Um, this, is, this is, you know, so, if you want to make beer, for example, one of the things you'll do is you'll take grain and you will soak it in water and let it sprout. And so grain actually produces its own enzymes that break down its own starches to make sugars because yeast wants to eat sugar. And so that's how you malt grains. Uh, in some places in the world um, where they can't, um, where, where they don't malt grains, they do it in a different way. So uh, chicha is made where um, usually an old woman will chew on some of the corn for a while, spit it into a uh, container, uh, and I thought about that like it was her spit that was fermenting. It was super gross. I now understand what's actually happening. It was the enzymes in her mouth are converting the whole container. So it, you don't need a container full of spit to make chicha. But you do need spit. But you do need some spit because it has amylase. And now we can make the same chicha with, with uh, enzymes you can buy off the shelf. And you don't need an old lady spitting into a jar. But it is, still can be made that way and is in, so, in some places. Uh, so th this, this uh, idea of enzymatic breakdown of starch is right at the very beginning of making alcohol. It's something that we've understood right from the very beginning of, of, of wheat and of beer and um, its relationship to uh, bread and how bread rises and yeasts and beer again. And all of these things uh, are, are coming from the very beginning and we're developing our own enzymes from this very beginning. So you're, you're saying that we knew of of these these enzymatic reactions prior to actually understanding farming. Like this predated, this probably predated Maybe, farming. but we would have... We, we would have started to understand it as, as soon as we did farming. If you want to eat these grains, you have to soak them. 
And if you leave them too long, they might sprout. So, these, so this has been with us at least as long as farming, if not. Right. And so that prior. those sprouted things would have tasted sweeter. You would have been actually be able but to it, taste the difference. But you're saying that for possibly a millennia prior to farming actually taking hold, we were passing by these same places where these grains were growing the whole time. We, we were very possibly knew this before. Very possibly, yeah. So we would have been soaking grains before we ever had farming because we, it's the only way you can really eat the grains. We would have been soaking them and grinding them. Uh, some of these grains would have sprouted, yes, we would have noticed that they were sweeter. We'd have noticed that if you then take those sweeter grains and, and, and roast them, you can then use that as a basis for something to ferment. I suspect that that's where we started making beer. And then we got really good at farming as wheat got better and we had a, at a, a ceremonial place, all of these things came together. But yes, there was a period of sort of the high, um, the high Neolithic, called the Nintufian in the Middle East. The high Neolithic, I love that. Uh, well, it was we were, it was the best time. You barely had to go anywhere, uh, but you were still Neolithic. You were still hunter gatherers. You didn't have farming in villages and all the problems of farming in villages. There were just people everywhere. There was there was animals to hunt everywhere. There was grain everywhere, and everything was wonderful. Then again, there was there was a climactic collapse. This age ended, and we were stuck. And so suddenly we, 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 we no longer had, uh, you know, all of these resources that the Natufian had had. And so this was just prior to this transition is, is we sort of had one little last climate moment that pushed us into a new direction. Uh, and at the same time, we're building these ceremonial centers. And so we needed the food that uh, the, these grain productions could have. But yes, we, for, for millennia, we had been harvesting grain before we were farmers. Uh, so yes, you're ab just absolutely fascinating. right. Yeah. Um, so once we um, once we we transition, uh, uh, we 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 have uh, uh, lower a uh, lower lifespan, uh, reduced uh, we have, we have increased infant mortality, um, uh, and this only goes down in the last hundred or so years. So from the period of hunter gatherers to uh, let's say um, nineteen hundred, uh, our lifespan and our infant mortality. Are, are, are terrible. And this is because of what everything you talk about in the farming trap, the transition to... The transition to farming. Society. Yeah, so more disease because you have more density. Um, poorer nutrition because you're only eating one thing. You're only eating the sugar and the, and the starch. Um, you know, war. Uh, famines because you're only, you're stuck in one place. You can't move to the next thing. All of the pestilence in the Bible is specifically due to because we're farmers. Uh, you know, a rain of, fo of frogs is not a plague to a hunter-gatherer. That's a rain of food. But to a <laughs> farmer, that's a problem, right? These, these, the, 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 most of these things, locusts are not a problem for hunter-gatherers. Again, a rain of food. These are only plagues for farmers. That's the one thing I remember uh, from grammar school that remains is, is children picking locusts out of the sky and the, 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 the film strip telling us that they eat it like we eat shrimp. <laughs> yes. Well, we actually got, got to this country and we wiped out our locusts. They were all coming from one valley in, uh, um, in, in Utah. And for tens of thousands of years, it had been what everyone lived on when they arrived. And we showed up and we didn't like them, so we just wiped them out. As soon as we got through like the first pesticides, it was the first thing we did, was wiped out the entire species of the American locusts. Um, uh, and and you know the, the the native peoples had lived on them for 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 for, for you know millennia. millennia. You yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, we 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 tended to address these things that had been manna from heaven and just just call them plagues. Um, and so uh, farming was really changing our our entire attitude towards the world around us. Things were no longer a gift from God. They were they were they were you know 
God punishing you for something. Um, and uh, that's just almost that's just inconceivable almost. I mean, <laughs> clearly it's conceivable, but yeah. Um. So, and 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 our health is not continuing to improve. Right, things got better uh, in, in uh, about 150 years ago uh, with with improved hygiene and things like that. Flush toilets were great, um, but uh, you know today two thirds of American adults are overweight. Uh, obese and a, th a third of children. You know, so this is not good. We're actually starting to go down again in in, in longevity. So we we are really putting pressure on ourselves. And so I want to think about not just what we've done to ourselves with farming, but how this might uh, uh, affect evolution. And so I, I, I mentioned that we have increased um, uh, amylase genes, so we can get more calories out of the starch. Uh, but again, if you leave that that cracker in your mouth. Uh, it's going to turn to sugar and you're going to get cavities. And so we start seeing cavities are happening much more commonly. Uh, but still, as you get more and more modern, the cavity the cavities increase. So even, even farmers don't have the same access to sugar that people do after uh, Industrial Revolution. Once you get industrialized sugar, then you really get candy and, and cavities and all of these things are, are, are happening uh, much faster. But these are not evolutionary changes. These are things that we're doing to ourselves um, outside of, of evolution. Uh, the only evolutionary change we had was was, was the amylase. The, the rest of it is just something that we are doing to ourselves. So our bodies are responding to a much older evolution, even though we've changed our environment. Um, uh, the other thing we have is uh, several populations have developed um, lactase. So we have enzymes that uh, uh, mammals really only have as infants because that's when they're they're nursing and they're taking in uh, milk. And several populations around the world have independently developed the ability to dig digest milk till later in life. But this is uneven. It's not spread among every population. And many people lose this ability as they age uh, because it's just not evolved to get you through your 20s. We get you through your 20s, you're having your babies. That's all evolution cares about. After that, they don't care. And so the, the genes are, are, are not really stable in a way that you can still digest lactose when you're, when you're 60, say. Uh, and so a lot of older people then start developing these issues. And so these are th things that we have started to develop a little bit uh, of, of, of change in response to our farming, but it is by no means uh, uh, a, a, a solution to all the problems that- It's yet, not an evolutionary level change. Well, it, it's evolution happened, but it's not necessarily working all that well. And, and it's mostly just to get a, a few more calories out of, out of what we have done, right? So we get more calories out of our plants. We get more calories out of our animals because we now have these enzymes that can get the calories out of it. But we can certainly in modern world live without it. Uh, and mostly these changes uh, have, have, have downsides uh, because, uh, you know, not, not everyone can digest milk later in life. And uh, having having sugar in your mouth is not necessarily good for you. Mm. Uh, so these these um, these things have are an evolutionary thing, but they're not necessarily causing us to survive better anymore. Um, so we'd thought for a long time within uh, uh, evolutionary biology that there was really no evolution in this period because culture was replacing evolution. If if there was a pressure on you. Um, you would just culturally adapt to it. But that's not true. We actually have been through things, uh, many of them related to uh, farming, that have caused evolutionary change, such as the Black Plague. So the Black Plague uh, 
wasn't just a random event. It was a, a mixture of um, uh, empire building on behalf of the Mongols, spreading all the way from China to Europe, uh, able to spread the, the plague with them, with things that accompany farming, like rats. You know, what eats grain, it's going to be the rats. So you have this, this, these large populations in Europe with high numbers of rats eating their grain, and suddenly you have a new disease, Yersinia uh, uh, pastis, that is, is able to, to kill people widely. It starts off as just coming from the flea bites, but very quickly uh, spreads to, um, turns into a, the, the pneumatic version where you can spread it person to person just by breathing on someone. And something so like- So that's a mutation that happened inside It's a not a person. mutation. It's, it's, not. It's, 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 it's what happens when the plague gets bad. When people have a very high amount of this bacteria inside them, they can spread it between each other. It's just, it, right, it's a property And so normally plague only comes from fleas, but once it gets into populations, it, it becomes a pneumatic plague. Mm. And that's what probably wiped out about a third of Europe. You wipe out a third of people, you're talking about something that actually has evolutionary uh, uh, impacts. Oh, yeah. And so uh, there's some evidence that um, we actually changed, European populations particularly changed uh, the way they um, uh, address iron in their body in a way that uh, sequesters iron from bacteria, perhaps, uh, to, to defend against things, uh, change the way uh, immune systems work. Um, some people think that uh, this gave uh, Europeans a slightly higher defense against uh, COVID. Um, so there, there's, 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 there's a few changes that happen that might have given uh, Europeans the ability to spread around the world like we did later because the Black Plague weeded us out so quickly. Um, and because it, 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 it wasn't, um, it certainly wasn't a, 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 you know, ubermensch kind of situation. It didn't make people super, but it gave them a couple of, uh, extra abilities within a, uh, within the immune system. Um, but these same populations, uh, that often have, uh, some a heightened resistance often also have, uh, heightened autoimmune diseases. So our immune system is attacking ourselves. Some of these, but, but when yeah. Europeans left and, and, and came to the new world, instead of, being defeated by the diseases that were already there. They just brought their own and they brought their own. Yeah, yeah. Guns, germ, yeah, and steel yeah, yeah. makes makes this very clear that uh, certain certain immunities allow you to be a, a colonizer. And, you know, there were places in Africa that weren't colonized until very late because they had diseases that the Europeans couldn't go into. Um, but uh, if, if you're a continent that runs north-south, you have diseases that run north-south. The southern diseases don't go north and vice versa. If you're, say, Asia and Europe, you can pass things east-west and everything stays at the same temperature. Mm. And so the diseases you bring with your animals can spread right across. So you know, the chickens went from Malaysia to Europe by the, by the late, or er, sorry, early Iron Age uh, and probably brought various things with them. You know, pigs and chickens bring you the flu. Uh, so all of these things, when we go to the new world, wipe people out because they didn't have this kind of exchange across a very, very wide area. But, uh, you know, we had suffered. Certainly the Black Plague was the worst thing that ever happened and was worse in Europe than it was in Asia, where they'd been living with it for longer. Uh, it was, was much, much worse in Europe. Uh, so there are events that do cause evolution and it does have an effect on our, our, our future uh, way we interact with the rest of the world. Um, uh, the um, huge uh, uh, increase in geographic diversity uh, has uh, led to uh, selection pressures. Not everywhere is the same. So if you live at high altitude, you have a harder time than if you're living at low altitude. Uh, so, for example, um, we think that some of the Denisovan high altitude genes are what uh, went into um, the Tibetans. Uh, and so they're able to live at higher altitude. Uh, and so things like this are, are happening 
uh, uh, with agriculture. So uh, probably the, the uh, amylase gene was spreading out of the Middle East where agriculture was first developed into Europe. Uh, and, you know, so that's, that's where we're getting it from. So you can see these, these uh, population movements uh, associated with a little bit of the uh, evolution. Some of the cultural changes that changed our physiology um, are probably just cultural. So we have smaller faces than the hunter-gatherers did, uh, probably simply because we don't chew as much. So our jaws are smaller, uh, our teeth are smaller. Uh, we don't need to chew as much. So we have less selection causing us to have this. So there's a little bit uh, on the genetic side. Uh, we don't need to have these huge teeth. Um, the, the peoples who became uh, uh, farmers last have the biggest teeth. So uh, in uh, uh, Australia, the native peoples of Australia have the largest teeth of any population. So there's definitely a genetic side to things, uh, but they are now developing the same problems with teeth that we had. Uh, and so their teeth are getting smaller because they don't fit in their jaws anymore. If you don't chew, your jaw stays smaller. Your bones get bigger when you use them. And so if the jaw stays smaller, the teeth literally don't fit in there and you have problems with wisdom teeth, et cetera, that the hunter-gatherers never did. And even some of the early farmers wouldn't have had these problems. But as soon as you get farming, you're chewing softer grain. You know, bread is easier to eat uh, than, you know, a... a, a carcass out on the Serengeti so, so that's been drying. So basically what you just said is that when we when we moved to agriculture, a whole lot of people died terrible, painful deaths because their their mouths yes. didn't work. Yes, and then we figured out how to pull teeth. <sighs> yeah, and, and teeth were rotting and uh, cavities happened and people died early deaths. You know, many of the early from deaths... From their mouths. Mouths, from their mouths, yeah. Many people probably dying in their 50s and late 40s was was these things, as well as people dying, you know, in their in their early 20s because of of, of wisdom teeth issues. Yeah. So uh, all of these things uh, are are um, going to cause selection pressures, but we have not in no way had time to evolve to them. There's some slight change. Our teeth have gotten slightly smaller. That that's about it. Um, our populations. Uh, in general, have gotten shorter, but it turns out when you start feeding people enough, we get taller again. And so we've had a very rapid increase in stature relatively recently as we stopped starving ourselves. So uh, populations were selected against for size for a very long time. So we probably lost some of the height genes, but most of the shrinking was just environmental, uh, just not getting enough food and periodically starving ourselves. Um, so health is generally uh, determined by the spread of culture, not genes. And there's, 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 there's lots of accounts of this. So type 2 diabetes is now spreading into uh, uh, East Asia, uh, not because of some gene that has come from Europe, but because of European lifestyles that spread type 2 diabetes. And so many of our health things are, 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 are now cultural and, and not evolutionary. We have some evolutionary changes, but uh, uh, most, most of it's going to be cultural. Um, Things that are good for you in one way are often bad for you in another. So uh, diet or exercise that are good for you in what in some ways can put stress on joints or, uh, you know, a, a say, um, uh, paleo diet, which I will talk about at some later date, uh, that sends you into ketosis might be good in that it will burn fat, but can put uh, other, uh, you know, stress on, on, on your metabolism in other ways. Indeed. So, so uh, there's always going to be trade-offs. Uh, we, over millions of years, did our best to evolve to our particular environment, and we've done the best balance we could to that situation. Now we're in a new environment that we have not evolved for, and so these trade-offs cost us a lot more. Um, so that when you, when you uh, make one thing get better, it tends to, to impact another thing. Um, fats in our diet are an example. Too much bad fat and too little good fat 
uh, and now we have even new indigestible fats. So we've particularly, you know, modifying uh, fats, you know, in the factory so that we can't digest them. And so you get the runs, but you don't get, you don't get uh, fat. Um, uh, we love the fat. We love the flavor of the fat. We want it because it builds our big brains. And, 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 and we know that uh, if we're not fat, we're not fertile. So evolution is pushing us towards these things uh, at the same time as we're trying to culturally adapt ourselves uh, to um, give us give ourselves fats that uh, won't make us fat. Um, but, you know, the companies want to push the fats because that's what sells. They know we're programmed to eat this stuff and they're not going to go against programming. They're just going to give us what we want, which is what capitalism says they should do. Uh, they should give us what they want. They should make money off of it. And then we all get fat and we die early deaths because of it. And it's not a scheme. It's not a conspiracy. The companies didn't decide to kill us. It's It's what we want. Uh, and they're just giving us what it's we want. It's what we're designed to want. It's what we're designed to want. It's what we you know, designed ourselves to want. Um, so uh, civilization in general has led to increasing uh, specialization. So that part of your history was, you know, was correct. Uh, but this then leads to um, uh, increasing specialization in activity. So many of us now sit in uh, cubicles all day and do nothing, where there are other people who spend their entire life exercising. So we have specialized athletes, and they can do things that we can no longer even conceive of. Uh, and this really creates a divide where we don't think we can do that sort of thing, right? If you went out and started training for a marathon, any weight issues you had, any cholesterol issues you had, all of that would go away overnight. But your body would suffer because you're not, you're not, experienced in these things. My body would suffer. Your body would suffer. Yes. Yeah, my body would suffer. Yes. yes. Yeah. You would hurt your knees. You would hurt yourself in, in many, many ways. Many ways. So we can't, we, we've, we've lost the ability in many ways because of specialization to do the things that would most help us, help us uh, in, in terms of health. Um, we've also seen, seen things becoming more common today that uh, we can't exactly explain. We don't know if it's cultural or if it's genetic or if we're just discovering them. Things like uh, autism, ADHD, pancreatic cancer um, are much more common today. Uh, we didn't see these things uh, as much before, but we don't know if this is something that we're just testing for today and we just ignored before. Uh, we had all sorts of terrible names for people who were not like us uh, and they were often segregated in some way and put away in special places so that we didn't see them. Uh, and now we're understanding that some of that might have been mental health, but some of it might have just been uh, someone who was super hyperactive and difficult to control and we didn't know what to do with them. Uh, and they didn't have a mental health issue. They had a dopamine issue. Um, and so there is uh, uh, a lot of things where uh, we don't exactly know how long these things have been in our culture uh, and uh, what effects they've had on us. We're just sort of noticing them. We're waking up to a lot of these, 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 these things that have been living with us for we don't know how long. Uh, some of them might be environmental. It might turn out that pancreatic cancer is due to a particular things we're doing to our environment, perhaps with uh, some of the uh, modern uh, pesticides that the Nazis developed in World War II that we spray on everything we eat. Um, you know, those those things have tremendous effects on our endocrine systems, uh, on, on brain development, and all of this stuff may well be related, but we have no idea. Uh, and, and we're not really looking. And we march ahead, keep using them. Yeah, because what else are we going to do? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so uh, there are some things where, we, where the real problem is the mismatch between our environment and how we are uh, uh, evolved. Uh, mismatch diseases don't happen in, in hunter-gatherers because they're not mismatched. They happen to us today. Um, but it's even difficult in hunter-gatherer cultures. We can't necessarily find people because there is... 
we haven't put people in sort of the equivalent of, of, a, of an island zoo to see what a hunter-gatherer does if they're not exposed to us. Uh, so hunter-gatherers drink, smoke cigarettes, uh, get outside diseases, uh, have, you know, phones and televisions and all the things that we have. Um, so it's really difficult to know. You know, there, there, are, there, are, there are literally hunter-gatherers who can pull out their cell phone and, you know, uh, <laughs> they're, they're actually mostly using Facebook. Um, uh, I know. Uh, for a lot of the world, that is the internet. Um, and it's what you do with a phone and Facebook gives you the free phone and, you know, all this. Anyway, um, the world is... hurts. I know. The world is not what you think it is. Um, uh, so I want to just bring up sort of an example, scurvy and cavities as two things that have happened to us relatively recently uh, with different examples of how we deal with them. So scurvy is lack of vitamin C. Uh, we started exploring the world, getting on ships, and everyone started dying of scurvy as soon as you didn't eat uh, fresh vegetables. This would never happen to a hunter-gatherer. They were never away from fresh vegetables. It's why we don't make our own vitamin C. Most animals make our own, their own vitamin C. We don't make our own because we, we never ran into a situation where that was necessary. But you get on a ship or you're in a city where there's no fresh vegetables over the whole winter, people can start getting scurvy. Uh, we learned the answer to this. We learned that we need fresh vegetables. We started bringing limes with us, you know, the limeys, the, 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 the British Navy and all that. And we, we cured scurvy in this way. So we actually addressed the problem. Whereas cavities... Uh, we know what causes cavities. It's too much sugar in our diet, soft food, uh, and uh, you know, basically uh, poor oral hygiene. These are what cause uh, cavities. We do not address this by eliminating the sugar in our food. We address it with better oral hygiene and going to the dentist and getting our, our teeth filled. Uh, or pulled if, as or necessary. professionally cleaned. Professionally cleaned. Yeah. We go to the dentist. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, we have in no way addressed cavities. We've just moved forward, as you say, and just pressing on with, 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 with the, how, the way we live. And then we just deal with it in certain ways. Um, you know, some people think eyeglasses might be similar, that uh, uh, needing uh, uh, glasses is pretty rare in hunter-gatherer societies. Uh, and as soon as uh, you get people who are uh, reading a lot, uh, people start needing uh, eyeglasses. And it seems to be getting worse with the screens we're using all the time. Uh, so we don't address the issues that we're looking at things too close to our face and we're not exercising our eyes properly. We just put on glasses because that's what we need. Uh, and so many, many cases, we, we, we don't address the actual problem. We just address the symptoms. Uh, and so the, the, this is sort of how we approach things. So we don't evolve so much, but we, we do notice the problem and then we try and solve it technologically. We don't treat the problem, we treat the symptoms. We treat the symptoms and we try and treat it with our technology and we try and make money off of it because that's how everything works. Because that's how everything works. Exactly. Um, but I wanted to uh, bring up a, a modern epidemic that has really started pretty recently uh, and uh, may well have an impact on evolution. I don't know how this is going to pan out, uh, but this is going to put a uh, severe um, pressure on us evolutionarily. And that is what we're not touching anymore. So uh, primates uh, are, are uh, evolved to need touching. It's, it's part of our entire social organization. Uh, and uh, we, we know that there is tremendous health effects if we don't get enough uh, touching. So in 1989, at the uh, uh, fall of communism, 
uh, when the Romanian dictator uh, was overthrown, they went into the state's orphanages and found all the orphans uh, who were being just lined up in beds and not touched. And they had profound difficulties, uh, blank expressions, uh, stereotypical movements, social withdrawal. So these, this is this is what happens. And you can see the same thing in primates. Hopefully we're not tr doing experiments anymore. But if you torture a primate by not letting it touch things, it goes insane. And the same thing happens to, to human beings. Uh, and so we seem to be doing this to ourselves. Uh, we are moving into a, uh, a society where touching is, is forbidden, particularly for men, uh, and where um, this is causing, I think, severe uh, uh, psychological distress. And we see symptoms of it like things like uh, incels, uh, the involuntary celibate uh, men who blame women and want to kill women uh, because they've gone insane. And uh, this is a symptom of insanity. Uh, and it is clearly, you know, related to evolution if you're not reproducing. Uh, and it is clearly related to who we are as primates. Uh, lack of touching causing us to become aggressive and lashing out and uh, killing the females. Uh, this, this does happen to primates periodically. Uh, uh, primates will go insane and kill the females around them. Uh, and kill infants as well. It's a form of insanity and it can be directly brought on by, by, by not touching. Uh, in the 1960s, uh, Sidney Girard uh, studied conversations between friends in uh, different countries um, and found that um, friends in England never touched each other. Friends in the U.S. made contact twice. Friends in France and Puerto Rico touched each other 110 to 180 points uh, in, a, in a single conversation. Just over the course of a conversation, just constant touching of each other. So it's specifically American and, uh, and English, Anglo-European uh, culture that is really pushing this anti-touching. And I think it's starting to spread around the world. I think, I think we're moving in this direction. Um, and there's, 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 there's real evidence that this can affect us. So if, 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 you're, if you're, uh, you're, you're, your server, your, your waitress, waiter touches you on the arm, you're likely to give a higher tip uh, because you respond directly to this. Um, if a uh, professor uh, or a teacher touches a student, um, they are more likely to speak in class. I am never going to touch a student. <laughs> I, 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 I know this. I know that it is good for the students and it is good for me, but we have developed a, a culture where I cannot do this. Yeah, that's probably a much better idea for you to not do that. I will never, ever touch a student. And it doesn't matter if they're male or female. I am not going to touch them. And this is sad. It's, it's a pity. It, but it's beyond sad. It's actually bad for the students and for me. Uh, and it's the way we have to live. And so we are we are entering this sort of touch puritanical society that it has tremendous repercussions and it is absolutely not evolutionarily derived. Uh, it is going against our evolution. It is a culturally derived situation, uh, but it will have uh, profound effects on our health and potentially on our evolution. Um, Touching is also strongly discouraged in the workplace. You know, this is not something we can do. It would be very good for people's relationship with their employers to be touched with them and touch their employers. But that is the worst thing. A employer should never touch their employees. Um, even if it would build bonding, it would be good for everyone involved. We cannot do that. Um, not today. Yeah. Uh, so possibly related to this, uh, in uh, 2010, the life expectancy of men was 76 years and women was 78 years. Uh, in 2021, the life expectancy of women was 79 years, so it had gone up one year, 
but men was 73 years, gone down three years. So women's life expectancy that is- That was 2021 though. I yeah, mean. okay, so COVID has something to do with it, uh, which has something to do with your immune system, which is directly related to things like touching, uh, things like depression. It is also uh, directly related to fentanyl. So the opium ec epidemic um, is often described as, uh, as an epidemic of despair and despair and lack of touching are closely related. So I'm not saying this is causal, but I'm saying there's a lot of correlation and there are causal components to it. Hard, hard to argue with this. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there, men are in a crisis in many dimensions. I want to have a talk about that in particular. Um, and it, you know, is directly related to sexism and the way men treat women and is directly related to the repercussions of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that women are mistreating men. That is not what I'm saying <laughs> by any means. Uh, but there is something happening culturally that is, is impacting men to the point where you're seeing changes in, uh, in their life expectancy. <laughs> decline in life expectancy. A, a dramatic decline in life expectancy even even as our healthcare technology is improving uh, and 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 something that is not happening in other parts of the world it's not happening the same way in Europe and is not happening the same way in Asia so it is very much a a, a, a local cultural uh, phenomenon um, there's something else that's happening which uh, is going to affect evolution even more strongly and that is we're not having sex anymore Uh there's uh, been a, a bunch of studies um, from 2009 to 2018. All forms of partnered sexual activity uh, have gone down. That's all forms of partnered sexual activity. How, how is that even measured? Like how you ask people, "What are you doing? What are you up to?" Um, there's even lower it, masturbation. It's, it's people, gone down compared to when? Uh, from 2010 to 2018. So recently. Wow. Uh, there has been a dramatic lowering of sexual activity of all kinds, partnered and non-partnered. All sex is going away. And this is a dramatic problem. Oh, going away. I... Let's continue talking. Okay. 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 Uh, I'm not going anywhere. Between 2009 and 2018, the proportion of adolescents reporting no sexual activity, either alone or with partners, went from 28% to 44%. That's all adolescents. Adolescents aren't even masturbating anymore. 44%. That is crazy. Now, this is a mixture of men and women, uh, but this is all sexual activity and, uh, and, and partnered or solo in, in, in adolescence has now 44% um, are not engaging. This is not a 44% reduction. This is 44% straight out are not engaging. Um, so we're, we're looking at... A, a major, major problem that is happening right now. It's difficult to believe. It's difficult to understand. And this is happening at the same time as we have, um, you know, all of these uh, apps that can uh, do the hookup culture where people are having one night stands. There's a lot of uh, literature on the one night stands and relating to, to um, social media. But what's actually happening is people are abstaining, particularly young people. And this is going to be a, a tremendous issue. We, we, have a, we have a demographic collapse um, across the board simply due to, uh, you know, women are staying in school, they're put, delaying reproduction, that, that demographic collapse. But this is something else entirely. Uh, we, we have um, just less sex across the board. Now, in some ways, this is great. We have fewer teenage pregnancies. Great, wonderful. But this is just across the board. Uh, people are not having uh, sex. Among um, young men, uh, 2009, to 74% among young women, no sex at all.
Say that again. So, yeah, I had to go back and and and, and check these That's numbers. Fine. Say it again. Okay. So in from 2009 to 2018, the same dates we've been talking about right. the whole time. Yeah. Going from 28 percent of men are virgins to 44 percent. You mean all men, everyone of all ages? This measure? is young men. This is young okay. men. I'm talking about men in their 20s. Okay. Uh, a, a classic time that we are Basically evolved to reproduce. Doubled. In, yes. Okay. And 49% in young women to 74%. We are not reproducing. We are not having sex as well. And sex is itself important outside of reproduction. So the populations seems to be divided into one group with relatively frequent, often physically aggressive sex, and another group that is not having sex at all. So the more aggressive and, and free with the sex one group is becoming, the less the other group wants to engage with them because the sex that's being had is not enjoyable to a large group of people. The, 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 the whole hookup culture, the, 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 the frat parties, the, the alcohol is being said no to. So alcohol use has gone down at the same time as sex is going down. And so this is a, a, a sort of uh, puritanical approach that is in response to what everyone is seeing with the, 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 the drinking and, 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 and the hookup culture. Um, now, alcohol use going down is great, but, uh, you know, if you're shy, alcohol might be the way you were having sex. Uh, and so there's, there's a relationship uh, directly between um, uh, adolescents' use of alcohol re being reduced and their chance for casual sexual encounters. So all of that is sort of good, but, you know, this is going down and is a problem. And it's what we've been telling kids to do forever. We've been telling them not to have sex and not to drink. And now we're getting it. And uh, it might be a problem. I don't know if they stopped because we told them. Adolescents never really listen to us. Uh, but uh, but it's this, definitely but, happening. It, are, so are all these numbers in adolescents and early, uh, like in young people? Because are, does this continue? Getting to that. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, with, with for, for um, uh, married people, it's uh, still very low percentage of married people have not had sex at all within the last year. But for unmarried people, uh, it's something like 15% uh, for men and about 20% uh, uh, for women have, have not, not had, had any sex. sex in the last year. Um, uh, and this is not confined to Western societies or American society. Um, in, uh, in, in Japan, 42% yeah, Japan. Uh, of men and 44% of women, almost half of Japan's singles aged between 18 and, 20, and 34 are virgins. Almost half of people between 18 and 34 in Japan are virgins. I have such a hard time with that. That's so difficult to- I know, I, I, I just deny it. I, 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 had to, I had to look at many studies. This is why I'm, I'm actually like carefully reading the numbers uh, and they, they're all pointing in the same direction and they're all coming up with the same numbers. This is something that will change us. This is not a small thing. It's one, it's making us more anxious. It's making us more upset. And it's going to have an evolutionary effect if we don't reproduce clearly, right? Who is going to reproduce? Uh, the people I think of as bad people, the people who have the violent <laughs> sex and are drinking at the frat parties, right? The people who are nice kids who stay home and are not going to the parties, they're not reproducing. They're not having sex and they're putting off uh, reproduction, which will definitely lower so the reproductive number, that, rate. Those numbers were just for Japan. But what about the, what about people in the cities around the rest of the world? It's, it's similar. I don't have studies from everywhere in the world, but this yeah. is this is something that's happening across what we would call the developed world. It is not happening in Africa. 
Um, I, Africa is expected to double its population within the next 20 years. Um, and it is, it is it, something like a fifth of people are going to be Africans by, by, by 2050. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to have to deal with our racism issues and our immigration issues <laughs> as our populations collapse. And as we need workers, those workers are going to be coming from Africa. And we are not ready for this. Uh, culturally or, um, you know, in any way, really. Uh, and we we need to start doing preparation in some way. Um, we need to acknowledge that this is happening. We first. are not acknowledging that this is happening. And when we do acknowledge this is happening, there's a whole bunch of things we do. The first thing I would do would be um, sending aid to Africa so that when we get people, they are educated and they are, you know, people we want to have in our societies. Uh, and they're not desperate people getting on a boat because they're starving to death. You know, those people can turn into great productive people and become great in a society. But when they get off the boat, they're going to need help. And that's going to be a huge cost. And by the 2040s and certainly the 2050s, this is going to be a tremendous cost on the world if we don't do something about it right now. Um, a study has found uh, uh, having sex just twice a week halves a man's chances of getting clogged arteries. Really? Uh, compared to those who indulge in less than less than once a month. So if you have sex less than once a month, you have twice the chance of having clogged arteries as if you have sex twice a week. Um, research published in Journal of Sexual Medicine, uh, sex slashed men's levels of homocysteine, a harmful chemical which can trigger cardiac problems. So there's a particular uh, 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 thing that gets reduced uh, in response to sex. Uh, it's believed that men having regular sex have better circulation and healthier blood vessels. So this is a direct health consequence, not just a population and evolutionary issue. Uh, benefits are less pronounced for women because they don't have the same uh, response to um, circulation. Men's sex uh, responds directly to circulation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's not seen as strongly in, in, in women. Now, this could go the other way. This, th it's hard to tell what's causation in something like this. If you have circulatory problems as a man, it's harder to have sex. Um, and so uh, there, 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 there could be a reverse correlation. But in general, the correlation is more sex, the better your, your, your circulation is going to be uh, for all people, but particularly men. And so this decline in men's health that we're seeing is directly related to decline in men's sex. Um, so there, there, there are definitely strong correlations uh, that um, appear to be at least partially causal. And some of these things are feedback loops and, and they go. Now, does masturbation account for any of this? What, what effect would masturbation have? Uh, tremendous benefits, but not the same oxytocin benefits. Uh, so you well. Yeah, so the cuddle hormone it responds to cuddling, and so so uh, this is another thing that lowers lowers uh, corticosteroid levels. Uh, the, the the stress hormones are lowered by touch, and so um, uh, having an orgasm is tremendous for you in many ways. It's going to have uh, uh, improvements to cardiovascular health. Uh, so but, masturbation can account for some of what's lost by not having sex, but not certainly not all of it. Yeah, you which could, is something that we know inherently. Kind of, <laughs> you, you, could, you could you could probably figure out a way to to get your your cuddle needs and your orgasm needs without actually having sex by separating these two. But we're certainly evolved to have them at the same time. Mm -hmm. There, that's that's how we evolved to be. That's why evolution rewards us for these things. It wants to reproduce. It wants you to have sex and have babies. Uh, and it will punish you for not doing these things. And let's things. make it clear that this doesn't mean that any individual person deserves them necessarily. No, 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 absolutely. That's not what we're and saying. This is, this is one of my fears, is that the people who least deserve sex are the ones having the most. <laughs> and the ones who are most likely to reproduce. 
Um, you know, we don't necessarily want pregnant. Again, though, I don't want to stray towards any sort of incel training. No, and I don't, and I yeah. don't want to do eugenics either. I'm yeah. very much against yeah. eugenics. Yes. This is something that uh, uh, you know, evolutionary biology has a history of yes. promoting the right people to reproduce and the wrong people to not reproduce. We're not talking. You're not talking about promoting anything. You're I'm not promoting anything. I'm saying there is a problem yes. that, that seems to be happening. Yeah. And and yes. This can go down a wrong path and has many times in the past, and I'm sure will again. But yeah, uh, there, 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 there really is a problem. Um, one of the things about uh, 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 circulation health, uh, there's been some really interesting studies recently on uh, Viagra. Uh, and improvements in uh, if you take Viagra, you're, uh, you have um, a lower chance of cardiovascular issues and you have a lower chance of um, uh, dementia. Men and women? Well, men taking Viagra. Mm. They haven't studied women taking Viagra. Mm. So both of these things could well just be the sex or they could be the Viagra itself. So Viagra affects um, uh, nitric oxide uh, 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 uptake in the body. Nitri nitric oxide affects uh, cardiovascular health. So uh, we, you, you can take um, uh, nitroglycerin uh, for your heart to uh, open up the blood vessels. It's a, it's a classic heart medication. One of its side effects is erections. Um, they don't mention it much, uh, but it was actually discovered back in the days of dynamite. People who handled dynamite, their heart would start racing and they would get an erection. That part didn't get mentioned much, but uh, it's what led to the research that led to Viagra. So um, Viagra might be having a direct effect at increasing blood circulation to the brain and increasing uh, uh, heart things, but it could be a secondary effect that if you're taking Viagra, you're probably someone who's having more sex, so you have lower dementia and, and, and improved circulation. Again, these things are both circular and causative. I think there are relationships uh, that go both ways on these things as well as directly. So um, I think, though, that you're, you're in many ways, you're kind of hearkening back to, you know, the episode. It's mostly not your fault where, <laughs> where we really need compassion for ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Now. Yeah. And, 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 and this is this is something that we have not done for ourselves. We are we are we are blaming each other for everything all the time. And it's making us depressed and anxious and not wanting to go out and see people. And so we sit at home and we don't have sex. Um, <laughs> Uh, one interesting landmark 2005 study um, in biological psychology found that intercourse is far more infect effective than masturbation uh, in terms of uh, overall health. But again, I, it's related to the oxytocin and and the, and the cortisol. So these these are these are things uh, uh, relate, related to stress. So um, yeah, orgasms are important, but uh, being with other people and touching them is important. So these are two separate issues that can be united. Certainly, having sex with people implies you're touching them. Uh, but we've lost touch throughout our society and we've lost uh, all forms of orgasm throughout our society. And both of these things are super bad for us in terms of stress and in terms of uh, our population levels of, of uh, uh, you know, stress within ourselves and, you know, getting angry at each other and behaving badly. Um, you know, again, the incels murdering women because women won't have sex with them. Uh, but also, uh, you know, are, 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 are very much things that uh, can affect evolution itself, right? If you're not reproducing, you're not evolving. So there, there will be long-term effects of evolution. When you started with the Neolithic, I had no idea we'd be ending I didn't over here. really either. Um, but when I was putting together my notes, I really wanted to talk about how we've evolved lately and the directions we've been going. And this was such an important uh, direction that we seem to be happening right now that will affect evolution. And, and so I, I, I wanted to go there. I, so, so the yeah. title of this episode is both a statement and a question. It is both a yeah. statement and a question, exactly. And yeah, so right. yeah, thank Excellent. you very much. Thank you. Fascinating as always, Josh. All right, see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>